Everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode will be discussing Warlock and Warlock Armageddon. No, we will not be discussing Warlock, The End of Innocence. Kersey, I didn't subject you to this incredibly boring, cheap piece of shit. Oh, thank God. Two is... I used to love two, but that was high school. My standards have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is... I there, still there think are, there are things you can love about the second movie. There is like a couple of moments I thought were fantastic. But, yeah. yeah. The, well, I think in comparison to the original, it, it drops dramatically, but it's also made by completely different companies, completely different creative team. And um, I'll say that I think the strength of the first Warlock comes down to the script that David Toohey who I think people now know for writing, you know, like the Pitch Black and, and uh, a bunch of action films during the uh, 80s or the 90s. Uh, this is one of his very first scripts. And I think what he did best in this is create a mythology from the, and just like from the second he hits the ground, he builds these rules. And you know how I am with horror movies. I love when they, when they have their little playbook, like classic monster movies of how to defeat the monster. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think you and I are both yeah. in agreement, though. Like, lore-type movies are usually very entertaining. Yeah, this was supposed to be released by uh, New World Pictures, and it was, in fact, released at Cannes and internationally in 1989. But after Heathers had come out, New World Pictures decided to wash their hands of everything they had left in their catalog and sold it off to whoever would buy it. And this should have been studio-level. I mean, if you think about horror movies in 1989... This is pretty top-notch considering what was out, and for it to be thrown away to a company that was just starting, Trimark, um, it, it's a surprise. I'm kind of, this feels more like a Universal Studios kind of film, because um, it has a, a kind of a dark sense of humor, has really good special effects, and it, 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 like I said, they spent more time developing that world instead of what, you know, like this company that had no money that could barely release it. You know, that's what happened to the movie eventually. It, yeah, it seems like there was an oversaturation of, like, horror movies at the time, and they kind of just, like, didn't have enough faith in this project to really give it uh, the time and money that it deserved. Yeah, uh, if you don't know David Toohey's name, besides the Pitch Black films, he did uh, Critters 2, uh, then this, The Fugitive, Terminal Velocity, Waterworld. The Arrival was uh, a really great film that no one really saw. Uh, G.I. Jane, and then the Pitch Blacks kind of kick in. The Riddick, I should say. Riddick, not Pitch Black. But yeah, I was just going to say, like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, um, and the director is Steve Miner, who, I, he had more of a nuanced hand. I know the movies I'm going to say are going to seem silly, but in comparison to the director of the second one, there, there's more studio-level competence, I would say. Um, he started off doing Friday the 13th 2 and 3, which I still believe are legitimately scary. Like those are the you know the brown bag and the in the the early. I know three has disco in it, <laughs> which I'm there for. <laughs> um, and then he did House, uh, this, and then eventually he moved up to like doing uh, some comedies, and then came back for H2O, uh, Halloween twenty years later, and then um, Lake Placid. After that, it gets a little questionable. Uh, yeah, as if Lake Placid wasn't questionable enough. I but love Lake Placid. That's how desperate it gets. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's way better than when he did the Day of the Dead remake. Oh, that was him? Yeah. Oh. But this is when, that, that was kind of towards the end of his career where it was, he was kind of like, oops, I better just take whatever job I can get. 
I um, thought that was I thought it was Tom Savini. And so that's why I was like forgiving of it. Oh like, no, Savini did the remake character. of the original Night of the Living Dead. That's, I, I keep making that mistake. I think I did that in the last episode. Too, yeah, because we, we talked about when we're, we're getting out of the 1990 movies is that was one that we didn't really discuss, but it's the same exact movie as the 1968s, so there's not really much to discuss there. Um, Actually, go, go, if we go back for a quick second, did you yeah. did you know there is a Day of the Dead 2? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that shit? No. <laughs> I watched... Oh. I watched a bootleg version of the remake, and I was like, this is okay, I guess. And so I'm not itching to see the remake. Or the sequel to the remake. Did the sequel. Yeah, you don't need to. It's like if a college student was given, like, a modest budget. It's it's really bad. Just to retain the rights, probably. Probably. Um, So with this one... It did okay in theaters, but it was huge on video, and that's how we end up getting the franchise from this. But I kind of like the fact that it's a combo of a buddy road trip movie mixed with this monster on the loose that's trying to gather pieces. Like, he's on his own journey, trying to put together the papers from the what Grand Grimoire, I think is what the book was called. Yeah, um, yeah it kind of... It, it, I, I want to say that it kind of... Um... Uh, whiplashes between a buddy comedy of like fish out of water a person is trying to trying to understand the modern world from the 1700s um but it's a little it's not as gimmicky as it seems at first like they really don't play up they don't really they really don't play it up for laughs as much as you think that they would they seem to kind of like reserve it for like moments when it either really needs some levity, or if it re- just really, if, if it really works for that situation. Yeah, I, so I, I gotta hand it to them for for keeping it, uh, for keep for having some restraints on that. Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes down to Richard Grant. Now Julian Sands gets all the credit because he's the big flashier role as the warlock, uh, and he looks like he's having a hoot. Um, oh yeah. But, but I think Richard Grant as Redfern, I think that his gravitas that he brings to this in, in what could be a silly world, I, I, you know, dealing with the loss of his family, and he brings, like, Shakespearean level, like, commitment and passion oh, to yeah. the role. Like, he has, like, almost a complete breakdown when he finds his own tombstone, and, like, as, in, a, in a moment that doesn't seem like it, it definitely, like, we don't need him to be breaking down right now. We're like right at the very end, and we like need him to be at, at his strongest. And that's kind of when he's at his weakest. And it's he plays it so seriously, and it, it's it's really heartbreaking actually. Yeah, it's it's not particularly a gory film. I think the second one really amps up the gore. But there's some really like risk taking, like wild moments, like popping the eyeballs out and using them as directions. <laughs> that was yeah. Crazy. So from, from what I from what I read, it was going to be significantly gorier, but um, they they kind of they downplayed it a lot. Like the the kid who was eviscerated by the wolves, but it was actually the warlock that did it. They were going to originally show the whole thing because oh. yeah, one the... thing that was really interesting that I was reading about was that the original script was actually supposed to be very different. It was not really... They, I don't think there was going to be kind of like this buddy cop element to it. It was going to be more about the warlock who is like unfairly persecuted for his beliefs, and it's his attempt to get 
back to his time. So it was supposed to be more of like an anti-hero situation. Right. Where you're supposed to empathize more with him. And there is some parts that are kind of like that. But for the most part, I think that maybe the actor like really just gave in this performance and this such determination that it kind of became a little more uh, sinister than maybe it would have been otherwise. <laughs> the fact that he boils a child. <laughs> You're not <sighs> baptized, I see. <laughs> and then just yeah. fucking, I mean, they didn't show it. I'm glad they didn't show it because that would have been like grindhouse gross shit. But like, yeah, it would just it would have been unnecessary. Just boiling the fat of an unbaptized child and drinking it in order to fly. I love these little like little tricks that he has to do. Like uh, if he nails whatever like that thing and it felt like it was going into his foot, or he has to count the stuff, um, or or like uh, the rules that they bring in Mennonites, which is so rare in horror films to bring in Amish or Mennonites into any of it. I mean, it's hard because you know they're you don't like to talk to outsiders so it's hard to know like what their real belief systems are yeah i just thought they did a really good job of presenting stuff that i had never seen before yeah for sure it, it, it almost like to me watching it i was like you know this kind of would be like a good precursor to the witch where it, if, if they took it a lot more seriously and were more into like bringing these old sort of um horror beliefs into the modern world or like it, it, i think that would it would make for a much better movie yeah and it's i've seen wildly different not that it matters what the budget was but it says here 15 million dollars and i know for a fact it wasn't 15 million dollars um because i've seen and plus and keep talking in the making of this it, like they had to cut back and cut back and cut back and cut back and this is from a tiny company there's no way they would have spent this much money um but it does seem like there's a significant more spent on this one than the sequel. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to figure out why he he needed to fly in the first place. The warlock needed to fly. Well, I think it's because he wanted to travel faster to get away. Well, one to get to his uh, destination quicker, but also to get away from Redfern. Sure. But uh, like he just stowed away in the in the airplane. He didn't like fly. That's there. true. So I don't know why they needed to establish that. Hmm. Uh, seemed a little unnecessary. But yeah. and and even when he was trying to fly away, he didn't get far because he had a weather thing thrown at him. That's true. That was cool. <laughs> that was a little weird. He was kind of flying around like a deflated balloon for a few seconds. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I just, uh, I thought it was just a little more creative and, and the action sequences were more complicated. And now I understand that we're in the early stages of CGI and, and, and the rear projection and stuff like that was still a, a regular thing uh, in special effects in 1993 with a sequel. But I, I just felt like it was more tangible and, and believable. I know as silly as that seems, if, but if you're thinking about the way special effects were at that time, I think they just did a better job in the first one. I mean, yeah, as, as silly as the flying can look at times, I mean, it's actually him flying around. Yeah. And that, that does make it a, a lot more reasonable, especially when compared to the sequel. Yeah, and, in, and let's, is there anything else you want to say about the first movie? Um, not really. I, I, it was a pretty good movie. I think what both of these movies have is a lot of promise that they couldn't live up to, either for budgetary reasons, for having to do rewrites, or what have you. But it is a, a, an interesting 
a couple of movies that I really wish, and I hate doing like Hollywood sequels and remakes, but this is one that honestly could have a, like a remake, not necessarily of the same plot, but just someone who picks up on the what it was trying to do and kind of redoing it for right. an audience. The movies that, that should be remade are the ones that have potential. And um, this got good reviews at the time. Like I said, it did okay. Uh, but it did very, very well on VHS. And so, like, three years later, Vidmark, or Trimark, decided to do another sequel. Much, much lower budget, like for $3 million. And yeah. for, I don't know why they thought it was going to be a big hit. Um, but I remember commercials were everywhere. There was a video game that I've actually played. I have it on my uh, my uh, emulator, and it's actually pretty good. Is uh, It was on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. Um I think there was even a comic book for a little bit. They were even talking about doing Leprechaun versus Warlock. But, of course, oh. Leprechaun keeps going because you can shoot those for, like, you know, $100,000. Just put a guy in a costume and have him slice people up. Warlock's a little more complicated because he uses magic and, 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 and stuff like that. Yeah, because Leprechaun is like, oh, I manipulated a machine to turn on that kills a person. It's like it's, it's a lot cheaper and easier. Yeah, well, and I think... Inherently, Leprechaun was always a cheap movie with, you know, it almost intentionally shitty. Yeah. Where that never seemed to be the original point of Warlock. Like, I'm sure they had great aspects for the second movie, even though it's campier and the special effects are kind of <laughs> fucking wackadoo. But um, they also picked a director who I think, at least he had a good sense of humor mixed with wild special effects. And he had come off of doing uh, Waxworks. And uh, Sundown, the Vampire, and Retreats. And I think he he had just done Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, which I know a lot of people hate. And I thought it was okay. Um, uh, Light Years better than a lot of the sequels that came after that. But you can kind of see what he was energy. Like, like cheap special effects, but you know, he'd get a lot on the screen for a tiny budget. To be fair, though, have you seen a lot of the Hellraiser sequels? I have only... No, there's I've like wanna... ten. There's ten. Yeah, I stopped at uh, whatever the fifth one was. The very first one to go straight to video, the one that Scott Derrickson did, I think. Was was that the in space? No, that was four. The one right yeah, after they that. Went, they went in space real early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um. But I think I think that there's. It almost doesn't even feel like a sequel. It's it's almost like an anthology where it's just the warlock and a new adventure where they erased everything that happened before. Sorry, I need to go back to uh, Hellraiser for one quick second. Sure. I'm probably the world's biggest Hellraiser fan because I've seen literally all the movies. There is someone actually took, found the fourth movie script and re-edited the movie and had like professional voiceover actors um, redub some of the scenes to be closer to the original vision of the movie. Nice. Um, yeah, there I is haven't a... finished it yet, but like in the first five minutes, I was like, "Wow, this is actually like watchable." Yeah, it's it's one of those movies where they took the name of the director off. I can't remember who it was, a special effects guy. Um, but uh, it was one of those where they kept re-editing it and re-editing, it, kept getting delayed, like the way it was with Friday the Thirteenth Part, uh, not Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, where they reshot everything and, and reconfigured mm-hmm. it. I, I gotta look this up. Hellraiser. I know. What was it called? What was the fourth one called? Uh, Bloodlines. Bloodlines, thank you. Um, it was a special effects guy, and he's like, oh, this is embarrassing. I gotta... Oh, Kevin Yeager, uh, special effects master who did uh, uh, the Freddy makeup and Chucky. Oh, 
the um, but there's a podcast called How Not to Make a Movie, and the first season was all about how Bordello of Blood just oh. it was just an absolute disaster. And they said for season yeah. two that they're going to have other directors come on and discuss how movies you know got taken away from them basically. And Bloodline is going to be one of those. Oh, nice. Yeah, so when that premieres, I gotta, I'll let you know. Um, uh, what were we talking? Oh, yeah, Warlock, Marmageddon. Um, yeah, sorry, folks. I, like, you're not gonna meet a bigger nerd for the lore of Hellraiser. I feel so bad because anytime, they were. All- anytime we, we mention it, even passively, I have to stop for like a five minute conversation. I feel bad because when that the, the remake came out, uh, Vi- uh, Voodoo had the whole franchise, like from three on. Uh, for like fourteen ninety nine, and I should have got it. I didn't think you would care. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't even. You don't, it's not even worth it. Okay. <laughs> the um, you know, I remember when you could find all of those. Like you could get like nine Hellraiser movies for five ninety nine at Kmart. You know, something like that. Some fucking bargain bin. I should look uh, for that. Go, uh, go to Tubi. It's free, and I think they have all of them. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah. I get what he was trying to do. Like, it, it's almost as if he was saying, "Well, if you didn't see the first one, you can still watch this one and be fine." Too, because I mean, he is dead, but and they bring him back. Uh, so I mean, Sorry, at we're least... going back to Warlock, guys. I, I, that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, they did set that precedent, but then it's all like this whole new thing. Like, it's like, oh, now there's these rune stones that you need to collect. And I gotta tell you, that is perfect for a video game, honestly. If you're gonna go around collecting pieces <laughs> to get to your final goal, there, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was literally the Infinity Stones. Oh, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, so basically what happened from the, like, it, what happened in the first Warlock movie is canonical. He's dead, and there is a rebirth uh, every, I don't know, 500 years or so? There has to be, like, a lunar followed, eclipse followed very quickly by a solar one or something like that. And that is when he is, when the warlock is reborn. I don't know how or why they didn't really make that make sense. But uh, what what is very notable is when he when he is born, he basically like he's born as like an adult, but very oh no, he he is like protoplasmic goo, right? Yeah. And then like turns into an adult, except he's acting like a child, which I thought was fantastic. I had I had no notes for that scene. I was like grinning ear to ear. Like <laughs> yeah. how awesome this scene is. Julian Sands is really having a ball with this one, and it has to yeah. because without him, I mean, there's nobody from the first movie besides him, so you can't go back to uh, Redfern or anything like that. And so he just he's just having a hoop, and he's got the one-liners. You still have the last gasp of you know the the snarky one-liners from the you know like the Freddy Krueger style jokes. Um, not all of them work, and I think some of the gags are kind of ridiculous. Like, he turns that one guy into an art piece. I'm like, do what now? I was going to say, yep, that was my biggest, my biggest problem. <laughs> but it does show some sort of sense of creativity, but I wish that they had made it a little more straightforward. I don't, I don't know what to say, because I feel like a lot of the stuff with the druids and the boy that's gifted and, and that whole thing, it, it's pretty bland. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's <laughs> lifeless. The, the best part of, like, all of the scenes involving the druids is that the dad shot the kid with a shotgun. It's pretty great. <laughs> I do like the showdown, though. I did though. not expect that. Yeah, I do like the showdown, though, at the end when he's just like this. It's like an old western meets, you know, horror film and stuff like that. And he it just it, it gets really clever with very limited budget with what they can do. Yeah, and... I think this movie had some rewrites or some bad edit. There was definitely bad editing in the opening of the Druids like centuries ago. Um, 
but what I, I what I found noticeable or notable was that the warlock always had to be given the stone from whoever owned it, and he usually <clears throat> would try to trick them into giving it to him, which yeah, is yeah. very in line with what a warlock does. And I could even I could even see why having having him uh, turn that guy into a statue made sense within the context of it, and it's also kind of like you know dark magic and that kind of stuff. What I that was unusual. The the one that didn't work, like the 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 fifth one, where he's torturing the guy by cutting off his limbs mm-hmm. in order for him to give the stone. The guy never said you can have the stone now, but he just took it anyway. So I was very confused by that. I think they might have edited it out, or maybe I just missed it. That's... But from what I remember, he never actually gave it to him. You know, they they wanted to pair. Warlock against Leprechaun, but you know, honestly, I feel like the spiritual successor to this, or a good show off, you know, like villain versus villain, would have been Wishmaster versus Warlock, yeah, which is from the same company. Very similar kind yeah. of characters. And yeah. They both like utilize dark magic and they kind of try to make deals with people. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, like I said, the third one is there's no real special effects at all. Like, you know, visual effects. There's a, there's some gore effects, but it's all in a cabin. It's, it's as if, like, someone said, hey, we need to save money. I'm also, you know, Evil Dead's really good. Let's, instead of a demon, let's put a warlock and he'll just con everybody into giving them what he, I don't even remember the movie, but I just remember being so dull. But if you buy the Blu-ray collection, it is totally worth it. Because you cannot get the first movie in widescreen anyway, anywhere else, and um, it, you just just treat three as a freebie. You know, like a fuck it freebie. Uh, okay, uh, so another thing about the second movie is that, well, from the first movie, our heroes are kind of have like this buddy cop dynamic or buddy road trip movie. Um, the second is like a teenage love drama. Yeah. That is incredibly boring. Yep. But bland, and those two leads do not have any chemistry together. Nope. <laughs> so, if you love uh, romance movies where the two leads look like they don't care about each other, that is the perfect. Is going to be the perfect movie for you. Yeah, it's almost as if they met each other the day they started filming. They're like, just go. Who cares? We didn't even test yeah. this. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and his first response is, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, very reasonably, yes, is what the fuck it had just happened, and then they don't tell him. If they don't tell him why they did that, or what the purpose was, <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. 
All right, anything else you want to say before we go? Um, I would say that, like, for some of the different flying effects in the second one were actually better because they were a little more subtle. So, like, the first part when he's trying to get the crystal from the lady who's running the, uh, the show, the fashion show, by just going straight up and scaring her that way. I thought that worked really well. And then the last... Uh, time he used it in the movie, or one of the last times, is when he was like walking down an invisible staircase. I yeah, that was, that was really, cool. really cool. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. Like the rest of it, you can tell it's just wires when he's chasing them on the motorcycle. That you can tell, but that, that part, I don't know. Did they? Yeah, did they blue screen? I don't know how they. Yes, yes, they did because you could, you could tell that they were just basically shrinking the image rather than showing him like going through, like going away from the camera. It was just like them shrinking the image. <laughs> it was uh, it was very silly. All right, so uh, we are now into 1991. I can't remember what's next. I think one of his, one of his body parts. I know that. And oh, people under the stairs. That's our next episode. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Both of them. I, look, I know body parts at the time was a howler and it got terrible box office, but I think it's got one fucking crazy ass plot that you cannot ignore and a hell of a performance by Jeff Fahey. All right, let's be excited. All right, that is it, everybody. Check us out on all your social whatevers, you know, yeah, you know the things. We're, but, we're everywhere, guys. We're not really. Here. No, I shut down Twitter because <laughs> fuck Musk. <laughs> all right, I'll get off my soapbox and shut the fuck up now. Bye. <laughs> Just perform, you dancing monkey. <laughs>